Today's episode of Prospects to Pros is brought to you by NetSuite. Successful companies know faster growth requires the right tools. If you're doing one, 10, or hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue, NetSuite by Oracle gives a full picture of your business, finance, inventory, HR, customers, and more, all in one place. Over 19,000 companies trust NetSuite, the world's number one cloud business system. Schedule your free product tour right now and receive your free guide, Seven Key Strategies to Grow Your Profits at netsuite.com slash listen. That's netsuite.com slash listen. Welcome to the Athletics Prospects to Pros podcast. I'm Chris Burke, joined by Dane Brugler and our producer, Kent Garrison. We're going to get into the scouting combine, the invite list out this week, uh, touch on a few things there. But uh, before we do, just real quick, I want to mention, like always, that if you haven't picked up an athletic subscription yet, you can do so at theathletic.com slash prospects to pros, get 40% off your subscription, so $2.99 a month for the year, and that gets you access to um everything on the athletic network but uh, especially uh dane's draft guy when it comes out in april which is um incredible as i mentioned before and it's something i still pull up and use uh throughout the the seasons that follow it i mean i was just looking at it the other day uh checking out some of these futures contracts in the nfl and looking back on uh the write-ups dane had done for these guys headed into the draft. So uh, again, that comes with your athletic subscription. That's the only way to get Dane's beast. The uh, draft guy this year is through the athletic subscription. So make sure you get over to the athletic.com slash prospects to pros and check that out if you haven't yet. Uh, and with that, uh, we'll circle back to the combine. Dane put up his list of uh, his biggest combine snubs and surprises out of the 337 guys who were invited to Indianapolis starting, uh, we're less than two weeks away now, February 23rd. Uh, people start rolling down there. Um, you got any favorite spots in Indy, Dane? Well, yeah, I mean, St. Elmo's has to be, you know, it's... <laughs> It has to be near the top of the list and it's it's so unique it's it just becomes it has become a staple of combine week uh making sure to every, there's so much good food there uh it's not just the steak it's it's everything else so seeing elmo is definitely on the list um weber grill is definitely a go-to they've got a beer can chicken that's just fantastic um what else? What else? I think those are the main two that I try to hit every year. Uh, what about you? Any any must uh, go places uh, for you while you're in Indy? Uh, well, there's always kind of the late night, <laughs> late night bars, stalking guys uh, like oh, yeah. Forty Seven. Those places, uh, Union Fifty, I think, is the name of the place I've done the last three or four years. It's a little further off the beaten path, but it's awesome. Um, okay. It's a really good food. I try to hit that place once every time down there. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's a really, it's a nice, uh, it's a nice downtown. I like Indianapolis. Uh, yeah. I don't know if you've ever gone like the basketball, uh, is it Banker's Life now? Conseco? I think it's Banker's Life now, but uh, they got a cool, the Pacers are right down there. Um, usually have a home game over Combine Week. Like it's a cool cool area in downtown indianapolis i like it i enjoy combine week a lot yeah so do i it's it's one of the best weeks of the year and it's it's going to be a traveling road show here coming up uh you know i don't know i mean i think the current contract with indianapolis is 
um, another year or two. Uh, but then after that, it's, you know, whether it's going to be Frisco uh, at the Star or L.A. or uh, it's going to be interesting to see what the NFL chooses to do. But definitely going to enjoy Indianapolis so maybe a little bit more this year, next year, because yeah, we don't know how much longer it's going to be there. So uh, definitely a, ni- a nice downtown and uh, it's a really good situation to have going on. Yeah, for sure. And it's just, uh, it's such a big deal. The scouting combine, they've kind of outgrown, you know, we used to have like the, all the media used to pack into a little like lobby area of the actual football stadium. And that was got to the point of being absurd because there just wasn't any space in there. And they moved us over to the uh, convention center. Now everything is over there except for the drills. But they also got the, you know, now the this year, the interviews are in the morning with the media. And then there's a little gap. And then all the drills are uh, like late afternoon into the evening. So they can sort of be a little more spotlighted on TV. And uh, so it's sort of you can see it trending toward. Um, I don't want to say outgrowing Indianapolis, but certainly this has become just such a huge deal now that I think you're right. This is uh, almost feels almost inevitable that, it, you know, we're headed to L.A. or Vegas or so, somewhere in the next uh, five years. So, yeah, we'll enjoy Indianapolis, uh, like you said, and 377 guys, as I mentioned, invited to the scouting combine uh it opens on the 23rd drills don't get going until a few days after that but um certainly lots to keep an eye on including some of the stuff off the field uh you know the the medicals we heard some of the positive buzz about uh how Tua Tango Viola I butchered that one again but uh how Tua is recovering uh uh and you know I don't know if it's any surprise I don't know that we would have heard uh if there were negative feedback from the medicals because i'm sure most of that's coming from uh Tua's agent um you know just that but but good news for him and good news for the teams that are interested in a quarterback that it's been positive he won't be working out in indianapolis uh but down there uh, a lot of guys will be working out and you mentioned the snubs and the surprises and um that that post is up now on the athletic.com if you want to go check it out but uh i guess i'll just sort of open it up to get get us going here anyone that like, is there one guy that you're most disappointed isn't going to be there? I thought that there were some of these offensive linemen that I was surprised uh, will not be there. Um, Kevin Dotson, the guard from Louisiana Lafayette, um, he, he's not as good as his teammate Robert Hunt, who uh, played right tackle uh, for Lafayette. Um, he's going to be probably a guard in the NFL. Um, he's he's hurt right now. I don't even think he's going to be able to work out of the combine, but he's got a chance to be a second-round pick. But his teammate, Kevin Dotson, I mean, he was he played like an All-American this past year uh, at guard. And i very surprised he's not going to be there in Indianapolis. He was in East West Shrine. Yeah, East West Shrine uh, participant and had a good week down there. Uh, and I fully expect him to uh, compete for top 100 status. And, you know, we have it every year where uh, there's a handful of top 100 players um, who are not combine invites. And so it's, I guess it's not too much of a surprise. Uh, the combine, you know, it's run by national and they, they're they very committed to their preseason grades. And uh, that's why, you know, in the past, we've seen guys like, you know, Puna Ford, uh, who had a terrific senior year at Texas, was the big 12 defensive lineman of the year. But because he didn't have great, 
uh, grades going into the year uh, that really hurt him in terms of making the combine. And uh, it was really unfortunate. That's how it works, but that's how it works. And so a uh, player like Kevin Dotson, who didn't have uh, very high grades coming into the year, uh, you know, even though he did have a productive senior season, uh, it was not enough to get the attention of, of national and he will not be there, but that's okay. Like I said, uh, every year there's uh, almost a handful of players who are not combine invites who uh, who go. And I think it's important, to, you know, just for people that are maybe not familiar with the process. I mean, there's 337 players that'll be at the combine. There's only 256 draft picks. And of those 256 draft picks, you know, there's, you know, a certain percentage, 15%, 20%, somewhere in between there of guys who uh, will not be combine invites who will be, who will be drafted. So every year there are a hundred players uh, who go to the combine who don't end up getting drafted. So even though you have the combine invite, that's great. That's an opportunity. Uh, it's a, it's more face time with NFL teams. That does not guarantee you're going to be drafted. And on the flip side, just because you do not receive your combine invite does not mean that the dream is over in terms of getting drafted. So important to point that out um, as we kind of move forward through this snubs and surprises list. Yeah, there's always we always kind of hear the list of names that weren't combine invites that you know wound up being pretty big stars in the league, like you know Malcolm Butler, James Harrison, uh, you know Julian Edelman, um, and I think it's interesting now this year. Uh, I think a lot of people are rooting for uh, the XFL to succeed, and this is one of the other reasons why those numbers that you mentioned. I mean, a lot of those guys that don't get drafted are going to end up. Uh, in camps when teams have, you know, 90 man rosters at their disposal. But, uh, you know, we get to the point every summer where you teams have to trim down to 53 and that's 37 guys who, you know, maybe are hoping to latch onto a practice squad, but a lot of them are going to end up looking for work, uh, in, in football for the next few months after that. And the, the XFL, if it can stick around, certainly would be a spot where we could see a lot of these names resurface again. So, um, right. Yeah. That, I mean, again, I hope, I think there's a lot of people sort of rooting for that league right now. And that's one of the reasons why. Yeah. And it, right. Exactly how you set it up. It's a good opportunity for a lot of these players that just aren't quite good enough. Um, and, you know, I hear all the time about well, why doesn't, you know, the NFL have a, a minor league system or it's because they don't have to, you know, they have college football as, you know, they don't need to sink money into a league like that. And but that's where the XFL could possibly fill in some gaps and be a uh, uh you know, in some respects, be a developmental league. In some respects, be um, you know a, a chance for players to still earn a, a living uh, playing this the sport that they know. Um, so yeah, it's a great opportunity, and for a lot of these guys at the combine, and that's why you know every year at the Senior Bowl, at the Shrine, at the combine, you see some uh, scouts from the CFL. You see some, now we'll start seeing scouts from the XFL um, and just how they run their personnel department. So, um, yeah, so I mentioned Kevin Dotson. Uh, another offensive lineman stands out as being a snub. Jared Hilbers from Washington, who uh, was left tackle last year, kind of filling in for Trey Adams, moved to the right side this year, and I, he did a nice job. I think he moves pretty well. He's not a great athlete. I mean, I don't think there's anything about him that's great, but he moves fairly well and he was able to get the job done. So um, a little surprised that uh, we're not going to see him in Indianapolis. Um, 
I don't, was there anyone as you went through um, my list or anyone maybe I did not include, um, anyone that stood out to you as being maybe a, a more egregious snub than, uh, than others? Uh, well, I did want to get to the quarterbacks because I feel like we're obligated to do that every <laughs> show. Um, and there's certainly a couple names there that I thought were going to be at the combine, but just sort of going through the rest of it. Um, Reggie Corbin was a surprise for me from Illinois after he had Illinois. the he had the good good week at the Shrine Game uh, by all accounts and uh, you know I thought he was a guy that especially because of that might be able to ride some of the momentum um, you know wide receiver I think there's a, a couple names and that again might just be as we've talked about sort of the depth of this class you can only include so many guys but um, you know you mentioned Kendall Hinton uh, from Wake Forest Isaiah Wright from Temple is a guy that's kind of intriguing as sort of a you know chess piece uh, did a lot of things for them um, and Jared Rice I thought at tight end is another one uh, and then I had one on uh, in the defensive backfield um, Elijah Riley from Army got a mm-hmm. chance to see watch him a, a few times this year and uh, always stood out on that defense he's a physical guy plays hard I thought uh, you know he was someone that um, it certainly wouldn't surprise me if he winds up with an NFL team and, and competes for some special team snaps, uh, at least through the preseason. So that was uh, in the cornerback safety range. That was a name that sort of jumped out for me. Yeah, there were several defensive backs who did not make it. Who It was a surprise. I mean, Parnell Motley from Oklahoma, um, I was very surprised. I thought he... I think that's another example of a guy that did not have high grades over the summer. And even though he did play better as a senior, uh, they're just so married to their preseason grades. And that that squeezes a guy out like like Motley, who played better as a senior, uh, which is unfortunate. Um, same could be said about Amari Henderson from Wake Forest. Thought he put together a pretty strong senior season. Um, so that was disappointing. Jace Whitaker from Arizona, Levante Taylor from yeah, Florida Taylor State. Taylor was the one I was going to ask you about that. That was yeah. a, that was another one that I, I thought it, it seemed like it caught a lot of people off guard that he wasn't on the the combine list, but certainly had an argument to be there. Well, that's I think that's an example of a player who we've heard so much about because he was a five star guy and was so highly recruited, and then he put together some good tape early on as a freshman sophomore. But he was banged up a lot um, during his junior season, did not play well. And then this year as a senior, uh, I don't think they knew how to play him. Uh, saw some snaps at corner, play a little safety, play a little nickel. Play. They just weren't sure how to how to best utilize his skill set. And, and that entire Florida State program was kind of in shambles this year. And um, it just was not, not a very good situation for him to uh, kind of rebuild his draft stock. And unfortunately, uh, he won't get a chance to do that at the comp. So uh, he'll have to run run well at the pro day, and uh, you know show that he has enough skill to, uh, at the very least, be a PFA and you know get invited to a camp and see if he can make uh, make a roster. But yeah, that's uh, it's kind of a, kind of a fall from grace situation for him. I think it's just always a little surprising when we have even if they struggle through their college career when you have those highly recruited guys like you said mm-hmm. and uh, you assume would have tested pretty well at the combine from one of the you know blue blood bigger name programs like I think it's always a little bit of a surprise when they uh, kind of fall through the cracks uh, on the combine list but uh, I mean obviously only so many spots to go around I, I just we were talking about the process a little bit like I, I guess this is we'll get into this a little more next week when we preview the combine but just 
what's this week mean for these guys? Like what we know about the on-field testing and everything, but like where's the importance for this week in a, a player who maybe especially those guys who are going to be like day three picks, like what's the goal when they're at the combine? What are they trying to show teams those couple days they're down there? Well, I mean, first and foremost is be healthy. And, and that's the big thing. Uh, the medicals, um, you know, that's, that's where every team is going to have their medical staffs there and they're going to look over every single, all 337 players, find out. They'll have the, you know, the kind of the pre-existing stuff that they know about, any injuries from college and all that. And then find out, okay, what's going on with the rehab? What's going on with the recovery? And, uh, you know, is there any long-term issues? And so that that's something that can eliminate guys right away. And so Tua, you mentioned him earlier. I don't know if we're going to be able to find out enough from the combine. I think that's going to be more of a the, the rechecks um, in, in April where we're going to find out more about just where exactly he is with his uh, recovery. But for a lot of these guys, uh, it's going to either be good news or bad news uh, in terms of uh, their body and how it's holding up physically. Um, and it's, it's a very cutthroat, cutthroat business uh, as we know. And, you know, guys will be kind of crossed off draft boards if they get uh, negative uh, feedback from, from the medical staff. So the medicals first and foremost, um, I, I think that, you know, we get so obsessed with the numbers and the 40 yard dash, but the interview process, that's going to be a big one um, for a lot of these guys. It's going to be their first impression. You know, they've, they've maybe talked with scouts here or there, or, you know, personnel assistants, but when they go through the interview process where they have 15 minutes to impress uh, coaches, uh, general manager, uh, directors uh, in the front office, I mean, that's you really have to sell yourself and, you know, impress with how you how you carry yourself. So that's it's a lot of pressure. Uh, this is a uh, for a lot of these guys, they're in town for three or four days and it's it's a grueling job interview. And so I think not only physically with what they have to do on the field, but just mentally uh, being able to hold up for for that period of time and uh, still come off like, you know, you've got your stuff together. So uh, it, it is a grueling job interview and it, it is something that from our perspective is so valuable because it's the way I best describe the combine is, you know, in uh, in high school, when you're going to college, you had to take the the ACTs, ACTs, you, you know, colleges had to figure out how you tested. And that's kind of how the NFL is with the combine. They want to see how you test. Um, and just because at college, you know, it's it's so different from whether you played at, uh, you know, at Cal or you played at Virginia. I mean, it just so different uh, with the way you came up. And so uh, the, the combine is just a way to lump everybody together in one setting and put quantitative data next to your name to better understand who you are as a player. It's just another puzzle piece. Um, so it's just, a, just a definitely an interesting week and one that uh, has a lot of value in terms of uh, putting these guys on the draft board and then figuring out what they're going to be at the next level. Yeah, always kind of interesting to track how teams evaluate it too because I think we see just in how they draft every year and the types of guys they sign after the draft, you get different organizations will put an emphasis on different numbers coming out of this. You know, do you want the strength guys? Do you want the speed guys? Do you want the guys who test really well in those sort of explosion agility drills? Like, I think it, it varies by position. It varies by team. And I think uh, that's always kind of... Uh, it's one of the things I always like to look back at after drafts are over and just sort of see if you can start to figure out what a front office is looking for. And it sort of helps build 
uh, build out the information for the following year. So that's another part of this too. Right. And above all, it's the combine is one big cross-checking exercise. And right. there, there's a there's a 90-10 rule where, you know, 90% of combine participants, they're going to, what they run, how they test, that's going to match up with what we already thought going in. But there's going to be a 10% that is much different than what we thought going in. And so then it's going back to the tape and figuring out, okay, well, this guy does not play fast. Well, how, he ran a 4-4-2. Like, what are we missing here? Is he just a track athlete who uh, trained and, and got, you know, that that's certainly possible. That's that's one scenario. Or maybe we maybe he was banged up and we watched the wrong tapes. Maybe we watched uh, tapes from earlier in the season. Then he got healthier towards the end and you saw more of that speed. So, you know, there are a lot of different factors that go into this. Uh, it's, it's it's simply impossible to watch every single tape from a, a player's uh, college career. And so sometimes you're just watching the wrong tapes and that, that's the combine helps. It helps you catch that. And so that's why, uh, you know, there's value there. It's uh, it, it's I, I think, you know, mentioning it's a, how it's a cross checking exercise. Um, you know, it's just a way to uh, for, for teams to feel more comfortable with their evaluations. When you call a player fast, okay, well, is he a, a four three guys? A four five guys? He's somewhere in between, and just better understanding, you know, how these guys match up. But you know, it, DK Metcalf last year, uh, who w- created a lot of headlines because his three cone, his short shuttle, the side to side stuff, the agility was so bad. But his straight line stuff, the forty yard dash was. Uh, amazing his his strength numbers amazing um and you know that's it's something where you know you have to you don't just kind of pick and choose the numbers that you that you want to okay well we we like what he did in this drill so we think he's good but not this you know it, it's, it has to match up the tape and that's that match dk metcalf's tape at old miss he was not a guy that was in his routes uh, would easily sink and separate that just wasn't his game and that's okay uh he was still Still, my wide receiver won in last year's last year's draft because his size and his speed were so good that that could mask maybe a little bit of stiffness and in, in his route running. And you figured he would get better and better as a route runner as time go on. So even though his three cone, his short shuttle were historically bad, uh, he was so good in other areas that it, it masked some of his deficiencies. And, and that's why, you know, you don't just paint a broad brush with these guys and say, okay, well, you know, his, his three cone was seven two, So he's off our list. Well, you know, there, there's there's context there and, you know, you figure out exactly, OK, does it match up what he did in college? And, you know, can he still win in other ways? You know, Calvin Ridley was a guy like that who, you know, had good speed numbers, but maybe not necessarily the the explosion numbers. The, the you know, his vertical wasn't great. And so you watch his tape and OK, it kind of matches up. You know, he's very quick as a route runner, um, but, you know, he's not a guy that's going to win a lot of contested balls. And that's OK, because. You know, you're not drafting Calvin Ridley to be a 50-50 ball catcher. You're you're drafting him because he can get open, and you know he has that route running skill. So uh, as long as the numbers match up, a player does not have to be perfect across the board with his testing drills. And there there is a little bit of room for for error. And you know you can be okay with a DK Metcalf if he's not perfect in some of the drills because we know how good he can be in other ones. And like you said, I, I think a lot of the combine NFL teams, especially, will tell you so much of this combine is 
off the field. Just uh, they're down mm. to 45, I think, formal interviews this year from 60. But, uh, you know, that's another 15 minutes with 45 prospects that you get uh, sort of one on one to to see as much as you can learn about them in that little window. You go through the medicals are always I mean, that's maybe the most important thing, as you said, like the medicals are just so important for so many of these guys, whether we know about existing injuries or not. So uh, a lot to kind of unpack throughout that week. And uh, like I said, we'll preview the combine a little more next week. Wanted to get back to the snubs and surprises list. We hit on some of the snubs. Get over to some of the surprises. I tell you the one that jumps out for me. I'm really excited that Malcolm Perry got the nod. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think, uh, you know, that's a guy that a lot of people will be curious to see sort of how he runs, how he looks when they go through the positional drills because um, he's making that transition from triple option quarterback to uh, wide receiver. But A, it seems like it's going pretty well so far. And B, you just see the raw athleticism that he brought to – brought to that quarterback position now brings to the potentially being a slot receiver at the next level. And it's, it's really hard to match it uh, across the board with, with a lot of prospects because he just has so much ability in the open field and, and does have those athletic gifts. So that's the one guy that, you know, if I was picking one off your surprises list that I, I'm most excited to see, it's probably him. Right. And, and let me clarify by saying he's a surprise. It's more of a, of a, pleasant surprise like we wanted to see him there we were a little worried maybe he'd be snubbed but glad that a guy like Malcolm Perry got the invite and he needs all the face time that he can get um, because you know like you mentioned has changing positions his weigh in at the Shrine game was not very impressive. I mean, he's 5'10, a buck 82, eight and a half inch hands. That's not what you're looking for in a wide receiver. But if you can figure out ways to get him the ball, manufacture those touches, and he has the athletic skill to create, uh, maybe you have something there. He just has to prove uh, during the wide receiver specific drills that he looks comfortable tracking the football. He has, uh, you know, the hand eye coordination where he can snare passes away from his body and be comfortable um you know along the sideline these different drills that they'll have uh, on the field at lucas oil stadium so uh definitely malcolm perry a, a pleasant surprise um Couple other ones uh, that you know I thought were were good to see Patrick Taylor, the running back from Memphis, who was supposed to be this is supposed to be his breakout year uh, behind Tony Pollard and Daryl Henderson last year. Uh, he was still productive, but now he was going to be the guy, the starter, and he got hurt and he basically missed the most of the season, but probably eighty percent of the season, and so. Um, this is his chance to kind of remind people, hey, you know, I'm, I'm still, uh, you know, those mid-round uh, projections I was getting in the summer. Yeah, I'm still that guy. And I'm, you know, I'm here to tell you that uh, I still belong somewhere in those mid-rounds. Uh, what other what? CJ O'Grady, the tight end from Arkansas. I think he's he's one of the more intriguing guys. Uh, off field's a mess. Um, you know, he's. You know, from high school to college, uh, he's had run-ins with coaches and maturity is definitely a question mark. And so that's an example of uh, a guy where the the interviews are going to be paramount. Uh, he's a draftable player just on uh, talent alone. But if teams don't feel like they can trust him, they're not going to invest a draft pick in him. So that's going to be a, a big week for him to kind of uh, save face and, and rebuild his draft stock and, and kind of try to uh, prove to, to teams that he is a, a reliable guy and is someone they should invest in. Um, 
working through my list here, uh, trying to think of these other guys who Kale Garrett from Missouri is another one that stood out. Um, glad he got the invite. He he uh, he had a great month of September. Uh, had I think like three picks, two return for touchdowns, and then got hurt. Uh, and I, I don't think he's going to be able to work out, but at least we'll be able to get an update uh, on his rehab and what's going on there um, with a torn pec and uh, see if he will be healthy at some point before the draft or if, you know, teams are not going to be able to see him uh, work out uh, before draft weekend. He's borderline draftable, but uh, good on him that he's going to be able to go to Indianapolis and he'll have a shot. So uh, a lot of these guys, uh, the injury stuff will, will be big. And uh, someone I just kind of off topic here, but uh, Khalid Kareem from Notre Dame uh, doesn't sound like he's going to be working out uh, at the combine because of his, uh, his shoulder injury that kept him out of the senior bowl as well. So uh, that's another guy that we'll be paying close attention to uh, see the medical feedback on him. Uh, another one I wanted to mention on your surprises list uh, and can correct me if I'm pronouncing his last name wrong, but uh, John Penasini from mm-hmm. uh, Utah. Uh, you know, that's one of those guys that uh, that was one of those defenses we talked a lot about throughout the year. And so it was one that you're almost watching to to see other guys and and he was that type of guy that you know jumps off the screen a little bit when you're watching other people and so he was someone that uh you mentioned maybe a, a one gap run plugger seems like a guy you know you can kind of drop into the middle of your line and uh get get some production gets eat up some space help you out there and I, I thought he had a pretty good year you know again i haven't i haven't watched him probably as closely as some of the other guys on that utah defense but he was someone that i had made note of when i was watching some of those other utah defenders along the way yeah and that's that's a great example of uh, a player who uh plays on a really talented defense and so there's a lot of teams watching that defense to watch jalen johnson in the corner or bradley and i or lucky Fotu or francis bernard or julian blackman uh Terrell burgess i mean all these guys are getting drafted off that utah defense and when you're watching you can't help but notice uh penicini uh and doing what his thing up front and you know the production wasn't eye-popping but you know you definitely notice it when you watch the tape because he's active uh he is a he almost always finds the football you know he doesn't look lost out there um he has good quickness he has a little bit of pop a little bit of power to his game so yeah i, I think that's it, it talked earlier how national they're very married to their preseason grades i think that's an example of a guy who uh maybe they came around on because he did not have very high grades he was viewed as a, an undraftable player coming into the season uh but he put together a strong senior campaign and earned his uh invitation so uh it's a great opportunity for him to show why he belongs in you know that sixth seventh round range i mentioned i wanted to circle back on the quarterbacks uh we didn't get to them with the snub so we can do that now because tyler huntley was one of the was your top snub at the quarterback spot and i think um yeah that was one that surprised me a little bit i we've talked about bryce perkins along the way uh, Mm -hmm. on the show a couple times mason fine too i think that was one that uh I I guess I just assumed the whole time was we were going to see in Indianapolis. Um, but on the surprises list, you have Kevin Davidson from Princeton. Um, Princeton's actually done a decent job turning out NFL talent in the past few years. But uh, just wondering what you can tell people about 
Kevin Davidson. Well, he created a buzz for himself this year uh, with, with how he played. It showed a big jump uh, in his development uh, between last year and this year. And just aside from how he performed on the field, he has a lot of just the raw traits that you're, you know, you're looking for. And uh, part of it is, you know, he, he's obviously a smart guy coming from Princeton. Um, but, you know, he's 6'4", 227 pounds. Uh, that's that's what he was at the Shrine. So, you know, verified measurements. And he's got a good arm. Uh, you know, he can put it pretty much anywhere he wants. He can make all the throws in the playbook. Um, you know, he's, he's a guy that uh, it shows a little bit of anticipation, shows a little bit of uh, understanding of touch, trajectory, ball placement. I think there's a lot to work with there. And so, I, I think that Davidson is a is a player to keep in mind as you know that late round developmental guy. Um, you know, I don't. We talked about this quarterback class. How I don't know if we really have that that late round developmental player at the quarterback position this year, or you know, the, at least one that hasn't revealed itself yet. And so um, I, I think that you know, Sinet from San Diego, who was snubbed, I think he's in that maybe on that short list. Um, uh, Cookus from Northern Arizona could be a guy you mentioned, but Kevin Davidson, he, he might be at the top of the list. And so getting that combine invite uh, is certainly a big, uh, big deal for him and his chances of getting drafted. I know he's on your snubs list, but were you, was Mason fine a guy that you, I don't know, either thought would just sort of be there or did he disappoint this year? Because that's a name that people kind of had on, like, as you mentioned, sort of later round developmental guys, that was a name that w- was sort of there from the start of the year. It was a, a guy that, you know, we're kind of keeping an eye on to see if he was going to progress, if he was going to make a leap and maybe sneak up a couple rounds. And now we're talking about him as, as a combine snub. So do you still see him as maybe one of those guys that a team still likes later on day three? Maybe. Uh, he's just so unique. He, he's literally, he's so small. I mean, he is yeah. 5'10", a buck 90. And we just don't see quarterbacks like that. Um, and it's just going to be hard for him to – you know who he is. Because I, 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 I watched three of his tapes from this past year. And he is a smaller version of Baker Mayfield. Um, not, not Nothing off the field. I'm talking just strictly on, off the tape. The mannerism, just the way they move, uh, I just it's identical. It's uncanny. Um, one of these days, I'll, I'll uh, post or I'll tweet maybe a, a few clips that kind of show what I'm talking about. But it's uncanny how similar they are. Um, and so I, I get why a team will like Mason Fine. Uh, same reason teams liked Baker Mayfield with just how he plays. Um, and I think there's there's plenty to like there. It's just can you get past. 510 190 uh, and he's not going to guy that's going to get much bigger than that so you have to be okay with the size um he did not have necessarily uh, the senior year that many were hoping um you know he lost his top receiver earlier in the year so that certainly played a factor uh north texas didn't have the type of success maybe some people thought they would uh, but he's he's still in the conversation um you know i, I think that uh you know besides uh you know I, I picked huntley as my top snub but mason fine could have easily been uh, that top snub as well. I mean, Huntley is a guy that 
I just think he earned it. Uh, I mean, this guy, you watch Utah this year, and he, he looked like he was uh, not 60% health. I don't know. He just he did not look anything <laughs> close to healthy. He's just a warrior yeah. out there on one leg, still making throws. And, you know, he he's standing tall back there, taking hits. He, and he, he, uh, he certainly, I thought he earned an invite, even though I mean, that's not really how it works. Uh, I mean, you know, it, I, I thought Huntley did enough where he is, uh, is a guy that should have received more consideration there but mason fine uh, i mean he's definitely on that list as well yeah i really the huntley one i definitely stands out um like you said I, he not even really did never really looked that healthy but he completed 73 percent of his passes this year he yeah. still was effective as a runner i mean even even at whatever percentage you want to put him at even with those health issues uh, i mean he's a, a guy that can be kind of a dual threat for you i mean i guess you do worry about the the medicals a little bit coming out of that year, but, um, you know, he's also a, what, three-year starter in the Pac-12, mm-hmm. like that alone, you would think might get you a little bit longer of a look and not uh, not a, a bad player at any of those stretches. I mean, he certainly got better as his career went and, um, you know, maybe some inconsistency issues, especially like back in 2017 and parts of 2018. But I, yeah, I'm with you. I thought he had a really good year and uh, just offers you so much. And, you know, that I think to a lesser extent, that was why I thought Bryce Perkins might be there because he's a guy who had a starter experience and, you know, one of the power fives and gives you the dual threat. Uh, you know, there's obviously, uh, I think, some concerns about how good of a passer he can be at the next level. But the athleticism is something you can't really teach. And he's a, a guy that really pressured defenses with what he could do with his legs. So I just, just based alone, you know, I try not to just look at the, you know, try not to just look at the name, the team name on the uniform. But mm-hmm. uh, when you're starting a bunch of games for, for one of those bigger programs, it, it always does seem like it's a little bit more of a surprise when you're not headed to Indianapolis. Right. Yeah. And, and you mentioned Huntley's completion percentage. And I think the the general college football can't, fan can't even name a receiver on that on that Utah squad. And so, I mean, he he was really impressive this year. And yeah, Bryce Perkins, uh, he led Virginia to, to the ACC title game. I mean, he he was a big part of why of their success and um, a dual threat. He's a true dual threat guy. Um, he. His, I don't think he's draftable. I mean, let me put that out there. I, I don't sure. think he's a draftable player, but you know, he still was a, a pretty, had a pretty good season, and uh, I think that there's there's enough there that uh, it piques your interest. Um, but you know, yet it's tough with these combine lists because you have to you know draw the line at some point, and uh, you can only invite so many guys. And there, I think there's always going to be players we look at and be kind of be surprised they didn't make the cut. You know, Bryce Perkins uh, being among them just, uh, you know, just fell. I mean, he's just not the reason he's undraftable for me is just the, the decision making. Um, I think he's accurate on short to intermediate throws, but not really down the field, especially when he's pressured. There's just a lot of things that I think are working against him. But still, uh, with the season that he had and some of the improvements that he made, it is a surprise at some level. Yeah, you mentioned that Utah pass catching group but they, they had eight guys with at least 14 catches they had eight different guys averaged 10 yards or more per catch and that was one of the things that also you know, not just the completion percentage uh huntley's uh, yards per attempt adjust, you know adjusted yards per attempt went up a bunch this year too so uh yeah there's uh 
That was that's definitely a surprise one. And mention that scout uh, snubs and surprises from the scouting combine that post up on theathletic.com right now. Uh, theathletic.com slash prospects to pros for forty percent off if you still need a subscription. Also up, uh, Dane started rolling out his pre combine NFL draft rankings. Uh, I believe as we're recording, quarterback, running back, and receiver are up. Did a, did we get to a yep. fourth one yet? Uh, I just submitted tight end to uh, my editor, and so that'll be up uh, probably Wednesday, I guess. Um, And so, is that today? What's today? Wednesday? Today, yeah. Yes. So, maybe sometime today. Yeah, sorry. It's at that time of year. Anything off those first three, the the QBs, the running backs, or the wide receivers that I guess really stood out to you as you're going through these rankings or that you think people might be surprised by? I don't know any big surprises. Um, you know, I think that the receivers, it's just so tough. I, I, I mean, I felt i felt bad leaving guys off that list. Uh, I feel really strongly about my top four. I feel really good about CeeDee Lamb, Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs, and then LaVisca. I feel really good about that top four. But then the next four, I, it is tough uh, for me. I The next four for me, Higgins... Jefferson, Ayuk, and um, Regor. Uh, how to stack those four guys? I think it's just kind of what you're looking for. Um, it makes it really tough. So, um, I, you know, I, I think that there's a good chance that I, you know, there's a little bit of fluctuation there, um, you know, between now and the actual draft. But uh, these receivers, I, there's there's going to be no consensus. There are going to be different rankings based off of uh, you know who you talk to and what you're looking for. And um, you know I hated leaving off guys like Brian Edwards and Gandy Golden and you know Denzel Mims with how he's played and Chase Claypool and um, yeah, I think uh, Quintez Cephas from Wisconsin's got a really uh, interesting uh, skill set background. A lot of things going on there. So yeah, this is wide receiver class. We've talked about it before. Uh, it's just so loaded. And I don't, I don't know how you're gonna uh, do a list or you know do any type of rankings and you know, whether it's your top ten, top twenty, and not feel like you left someone out. It's just too loaded of a position. Yeah, even as you were talking, I just having like a dozen more names pop into my head. Courtney Davis, Devin Duvernay. Uh, we talked mm-hmm. about Donovan Peoples Jones before. KJ Hill was great at the Senior Bowl. I mean, it's it's crazy the type of talent that there is at the wide receiver spot. Uh, I w- did want to ask um, the running backs, you know, Dobbins at one, DeAndre Swift at two, Jonathan Taylor at three. Do you think people, I, I think probably the scouting community and I assume the NFL has some idea, but do you think people in general realize how good Clyde Edwards Hilaire is? Uh, well, I mean, he's, I think there is a clear top four in this, in these running back rankings and Edward Hilaire is definitely part of that. Uh, he's, I mean, after the season that he had, uh, I mean, I don't know how you could not be sold on, on what he offers. Um, I mean, he does not have any glaring weaknesses to his game. He's not the fastest guy out there. He's got shorter legs and, but the guy refuses to go down. Uh, he breaks so many tackles and his ability as a pass catcher, um, I mean, I think if you took Brian Westbrook and Mark Ingram and kind of melded their their games, I, I think the result is Edwards Hilaire. And um, I mean, he belongs in that top 50 discussion. Um, it's it's going to be interesting to see, you know, of Dobbins and Swift and Taylor and Edwards Hilaire, who goes first round, how many go first round, and then how quickly the next guys come off the board in the second. So, yeah, I, I do think that uh, – 
maybe people are more and more people are coming around on Edwards Hilaire uh, when they actually dig in and study him. And he, it's not just a product of an LSU offense that was, you know, uh, had one of the best quarterbacks, um, you know, we've ever seen at the college level. It's more than that. Edwards Hilaire was, uh, you know, a big part of what they did and, you know, why they couldn't just, you know, drop and play coverage because uh, I mean, Edwards Hilaire was a big time playmaker. And just to go back to sort of the, you know, blue blood program discussion, you know, that's a, even if you're only able to, if you have to pay all that attention to Burrow, have to pay all that attention to those wide receivers, Edward Tolaire is still getting into matchups with a lot of these SEC linebackers and safeties that we're talking about being NFL draft talents and mm-hmm. winning, winning those matchups in the passing game too. So, uh, yeah, I mean, he, uh, he he was great all year. I think certainly deserves, like you said, to be up there. I mean, I, I assume the size will be the the knock if people come up with a knock just because he, you've got him at 5'8", 211. I mean, I guess we'll see if he even gets to the 5'8". Uh, right. That, I guess, the, you know, that's, that's probably the knock, right? Just the size. And I don't even know if at that position it's as big a worry as it would be at some of the other positions on the field. Right, and and I mentioned speed too, I, and that's not that's a something that yeah sure we'd all love uh, four three athletes, but speed is down on the list in terms of what you look for at the running back position. You know, you'd rather have the quickness and the explosiveness and and all that. Um, he just he, he was so good this year. He um, I, of guys that had at least two hundred and ten carries this year uh, in college football. He ranked third uh, in the FBS in yards uh, per carry uh, with uh, 6.6. So he's just, I've mentioned this before about him. He's so good at those hidden yards. Uh, You know, what's a four-yard gain for most running backs? He somehow finds a way to get seven or eight out of that. And that just goes to his his balance. Uh, He, you know, that that height, that that natural leverage, that's a positive for me because he's he runs so low with his pad level that he's able to, you know, bounce off tackle attempts and uh, with with the natural balance, natural leverage, the toughness. uh, I mean, yeah, sign me up. Give give him on my team. I'd be perfectly fine with that. I think he's going to go top 50 and he should. And I, I think it's probably worth pointing out that, you know, you have Dobbins at 5'9", DeAndre Swift at 5'9". Uh, so we're not talking like this is a position where you need a 6'4 guy. You know, it's not wide receiver. And I think it is – maybe it is just because he runs so low to the ground. Like if you if you put his tape next to J.K. Dobbins' tape, you wouldn't think there was one inch difference there. And that mm-hmm. it's probably just running style. You know, Ro- Dobbins is definitely more of a – an upright guy than Edward Tiller. But uh, yeah, I mean, he's Edward Tiller certainly has been special all year. And, and man, that offense, it just, uh, <laughs> I know we're a month out of college football season now, but just uh, every once in a while, sort of go back and chuckle about how much talent that LSU offense had this year. Yeah. And as good as that offense was, uh, they named Edward Tiller as the team MVP. Uh, at there their team awards banquet. So he was a team captain. Uh, he led the SEC in rushing touchdowns. I mean, it, it's it, he was not just a product of that offense. As good as it was, uh, as amazing as it was, um, I mean, he was a reason for that, not just a you know beneficiary of uh, the talent around him. So, yeah, I, I think he's he played his best football at the right time, and it's going to pay off uh, on draft weekend. 
So he's number four on the running back, uh, Dane's running back list, pre-combine, the rankings there. Those three posts are up, quarterback, running back, wide receiver. Sounds like tight ends coming here pretty soon. Uh, And you can also check out, again, the snubs and surprises from the scouting combine. Dane's mock draft 3.0 went up last week. We talked about that on our last episode of the Prospects of Pros. In case you missed that one, you can circle back and get more of the breakdown. Uh, The senior ball stock report up and just – Tons of content from Dane, as I mentioned, the draft guide coming in early April as part of your athletic subscription. So make sure you pick all that up and uh, keep reading everything Dane's got coming at you. And uh, we'll preview the scouting combine more in depth, even more in depth, I guess, next week. And then we'll be down there in Indianapolis uh, recording the podcast from down there. We uh, uh, The Athletic in general will have just tons and tons of people, both from the NFL and the college football world. Uh, down there to cover that event from all angles too so uh, make sure you check back both with our podcast and on theathletic.com to get all the coverage leading to the combine and then coming out of it as we head into march and uh, free agency and all those things that get ramped up then so uh, we'll wrap up here and again next week we'll get more into the combine and what to expect some uh, things we're looking forward to maybe guys who need a big week down there in indianapolis we'll, we'll hit on all that with our next episode so for dane brugler and our producer kent garrison i'm chris burke thanks for listening and we'll talk to you soon